you're working where God has called you to work or you wouldn't be working there. God would call you someplace else. He's your CEO and you work for the glory of God. There are fixed boundaries that God has ordained in your life. Is God's passionate love for you obvious to others in the way you perform your job? This is Moments of Hope with David Chadwick. Sometimes it may not feel like it, but God has carefully placed each of us in the jobs we are in. So does His overwhelming love for us show in the way we work? Today, David takes us to the book of Daniel in the third part of his series called On the Job. Joseph in the pit then went to Egypt and was employed as a slave by a man named Potiphar. Powerful, wealthy, influential. And Joseph worked hard as unto the Lord with a strong work ethic. And Potiphar was impressed by this Jew who loved God and saw God alone as his CEO. And he began to elevate him in priority and power in his household. Then one day Potiphar's wife comes along and tries to seduce this young handsome buck. But Joseph, a man of integrity, who knew God's design for sexual morality only within the confines of a marriage, fled immorality. Well, Potiphar's wife didn't like one bit being rejected by this young teen. So she went to Potiphar and had Joseph arrested. And so Joseph went from the pit to Potiphar's house to prison. And then while in prison, he's there for several years. He involves himself with a baker who was unjustly imprisoned, who finally gets out because Joseph was able to interpret a dream and the baker told the Pharaoh and he got out and then was restored as the baker. And Joseph said, just don't forget me. And you know what? He forgot Joseph. And he stayed longer than he anticipated for years in the prison. But you know what he did? In the prison, he worked faithfully as unto the Lord. The jailer gave him more and more responsibilities in the prison until finally Pharaoh started having dreams. The baker reminded himself of Joseph, got him out of prison. Joseph came and interpreted the dreams for the Pharaoh, giving evidence that there was going to be a huge famine coming and they needed to store up all the food for seven years because there'd be seven years of famine. If they wanted to live, they needed to do that. Pharaoh believed Joseph. It all happened the way Joseph prophesied and Joseph was made now the prime minister of all of Egypt. Now, Now, do you see four stages of Joseph's vocational calling. Do you see it? First, he was in the pit, and what did he do? He tried to be faithful to God. He just tried to be faithful and believe and trust. How do we know this? Well, you'll see it in just a second. And then when he's taken to Potiphar's house, what does he do? He just tries to be faithful to God. Sees himself as God's agent, God's a CEO in Potiphar's household, and he slowly but surely elevated to positions of responsibility. And then he's cast into prison. What does he do? He's faithful to God. He works hard day in and day out to do what he's responsible for doing. And the jailer notices it and elevates him in responsibility until finally he's taken to Pharaoh, shows what he knows. Pharaoh's impressed and makes him prime minister. Do you see? In every place, whether it's in a good job situation or a bad job situation, whether he's in the pit or with Potiphar or in prison or with the prime minister, he's faithful with where God has called him because God is his CEO. Then at the end, of course, the brothers come and 
They don't recognize Joseph, but he recognizes them. The famine had consumed the land. The brothers come looking for food. They know that food had been stored up in Egypt. Joseph has this encounter with his brothers. And when they finally realize who Joseph is, they gasp. And by the way, in Genesis 50, 20, that's the most powerful verse of the whole story. Joseph looks at his brothers and said, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. God was in it. He was in the pit. He was in Potiphar's house. He was in the prison with him. And he was with him with Pharaoh in the palace. Working it all together for good. Just like no matter where you are, if you think your job's the pits and you're in the pit, God's with you working it for good. If you're being favored right now and you're on an escalated trajectory, moving up in the organization, God's with you. It's part of the call. And your job's to trust God as a part of the call because here's the cool part of the story. When Joseph's brothers finally realized that Joseph knew who they were, their faces blanched, their hearts sank in their tummies, and they went, oh, no, revenge, and he holds all the cards. And look at what Joseph said to them in Genesis 45.5. Listen to this. And now, Joseph said to them, do not be distressed or angry with yourselves because you sold me here for... God sent me. God sent me before you to save lives. Do you see? Where are you working right now? If you are a child of God and a new person in Christ, God sent you there. You're not there by fiat. By mistake, you are there because the almighty God of the universe who controls the stars and the moon, everything, that God has sent you to that workplace. Now that should create a new passion, shouldn't it? Where every morning you wake up and go, good morning, Lord. I'm going to the place where you have sent me for your glory. S-D-G. Your call is upon my life. You sent me here. You're my CEO. And I'm looking forward to serving you this day in any way I can with the people surrounding me. Or think about Daniel, another character in the Bible. He's one of the prophets in what we call the Old Testament but if you read Daniel's story, you'll see that when the Babylonians overtook Israel, one of the first things they did brilliantly, this is tremendous strategy. They took the young, gifted teens, especially men, took them first out of Israel into Babylon. Why? Because if you take away the potentially gifted young leadership, you will destroy any hope of anyone rising up to cause nationalism and rebellion in the nation. So Daniel was one of those really gifted teens. And what's interesting, in Daniel 1, it reads, and Daniel made a decision before he ever left Israel to be faithful to his God in Babylon. 
Now, what that's saying is that Daniel made a decision before he ever left Israel that God would always be his CEO in Babylon. And what's so interesting here, folks, is when Daniel wrote that and made that decision, he was around 13 years of age. So those of you who are teens entering into your school, middle school, high school, college, wherever it may be, you are in the school that God's chosen you to be or you'd be in a different school. You got it? The school where you are is the school you're supposed to be or you'd be in a different school. And God is your CEO, and like Daniel, you enter into perhaps an antagonistically anti-Christian environment, which was Babylon, and you say, I'm going to be faithful. And Daniel arrives in Babylon, the first thing he's asked to do is eat of the king's riches and luxuries from his table. And Daniel knew that's meat that was offered to gods and goddesses, and he wouldn't eat of it. And yet he didn't get punished because he was respected for taking a stand and living for God. I'm crazy enough to believe that no matter if you're a teen or an adult, in your work environment, if you stand for God with integrity and work hard, you will be respected by those around you who do not believe. That's what happened with Daniel. And later he wouldn't bend his knee when they wanted him to worship the God of the culture. He got thrown into a lion's den. God protected him. He was brought out and was the most influential person in King Nebuchadnezzar's life because he made a decision when he was a teen, God is my CEO and I'll live for him. Is that you? Or do you compromise at work, hoping that God's not noticing, winking and nodding at different methodologies so that you can succeed? God's way is better. And we see Joseph and Daniel as great examples. I love this quote from Martin Luther King. He said, if you sweep streets, sweep streets to the glory of God. No matter what you do, folks, if you are a janitor or a CEO, you do it for the glory of God. Mother Teresa put it well. She said, my life is a pencil in the hand of God. You're a pencil in the hand of God being used by him to write your story in your workplace because you were called there. And if you're not supposed to be there, folks, what? You'd be somewhere else. If you really believe in call, if God's placed you where you are, you're where you are because he wants you there. And if he wants you somewhere else, he'll call you to somewhere else. SDG for the glory of God. I love this verse in Acts 17, 26. It's it's from Paul again. He wrote, and he made from every, he made from one man, every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place. Such a cool verse. Why is it cool? Well, let me make two comments why this is such a cool verse. One relates to the message. The other is a one-off. Did you notice that Paul says to this group of people on Mars Hill, which were the most godless secularists of his day, He said, and God made all of creation through one man. Now, now why is that important? It's important for our lives today, folks, because if we believe, and I do believe this because the Bible clearly teaches it, that all of creation come from one, one man named Adam, that means that all of us are the same. 
There may be differences on the outside regarding height or skin hue, but on the inside, we're all the same. It means that the one color that should unite us when colors are separating us is the color red because we all, no matter what color we may be on the outside, bleed red on the inside. If that's true, and I believe it is, especially for those of us who are Christ followers, you need to hear loudly and clearly from me. I will stand up at every opportunity I have, especially right now, and condemn with the loudest possible voice any forms of racism, white supremacy, or white nationalism. They're not a part of anyone who says they're a follower of Jesus Christ. It's not. If we're all descended from one man, that means we all have a common humanity and we should ferociously fight for the rights of all people. All people. And I'll continue to seek ways in this community to bring together people of all differences and ethnicities and backgrounds so that we can be one and give the highest opportunity for upward mobility in our city and in our nation. I commit to that to you. So for all who want communism, let me just say, capitalism and the American democratic system is flawed, but it's still the best system in the world. The ability to let people live and speak our human rights declared in our human rights declaration back when is still what guides us today as a nation. So Paul says clearly that we all descend from one person, but the second thing that's so Intriguing here is not only is this a statement against fascism and nationalism and white supremacy, this is a statement also by Paul saying that God has determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling places. You know what that's saying? God has determined where you're presently living. If you're not supposed to live in your neighborhood as a representative for Jesus, you'd be called to live in another neighborhood, right? But also your job, your allotted places. You're working where God has called you to work, or you wouldn't be working there. God would call you someplace else. He's your CEO, and you work for the glory of God. There are fixed boundaries that God has ordained in your life, and you're to live within those boundaries as his call upon your life, as his servant for his glory, S-D-G, working heartily for the Lord Christ as his servant. Now, you're asking me, I know, David, give me some more specifics. I'm an employer. (laughs) Give me more specifics on how I'm supposed to live out this call. I'm an employee. David, give me more specifics about how to live out this call. And here's how I want to answer that question. That's next week's message. We'll look more specifically at Colossians 3 and some very practical things that Paul says to employers and employees about how to live out this call that God has placed upon your life. I will mention that it's interesting. I know of a couple companies here in town where the CEO are committed followers of Jesus and their mission statement begins in their company to glorify God by their CEOs, committed followers of Jesus, to glorify God by. So if you're a CEO here today, maybe you need to think about 
How do you SDG your company? And then there's some practical ways employees can live out that call. I've given you some ideas. We'll go in greater depth next week. But let me just simply end this message to you today by going back to Colossians 3 and this word from Paul that said, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. That word reward is fascinating in the Greek. Let me give you a good translation. Reward in the Bible equals... Paycheck. Paycheck that you are going to receive from God Almighty a paycheck for your faithfulness to Him being your CEO and the call He's placed upon you in your workplace. And you're going, does that mean more money? Maybe. Maybe. Maybe you're Joseph and you're in a pit right now or in the prison and you've been there a while. And you work faithfully, and God will exalt you with your boss to receive more money. Might happen. But think about this. It's not only reward here, but there's reward in heaven. For people who know God's our boss and you're faithful in your workplace, there's a reward in heaven. I don't totally understand it, but there's work in heaven. It's very clear from Jesus' lips. There's going to be work in heaven. And when we're responsible here with what we have, we are more responsible for things there in heaven. So when original intent is restored in heaven, Genesis 1 and 2, work will be really fun, enjoyable. And every morning when we wake up in heaven, we're going to say, good morning, Lord. How might I work for you today? The call you have upon my life as my eternal CEO. Why not start that now? This is Moments of Hope with David Chadwick. Thanks for listening. Coming up, David joins me in the studio to talk about enthusiasm. We'll be right back. This is the Ministry Minute, focusing on ministries that have a positive impact on our community. I'm Mark McManus, and with me today is Bart Noonan with West Boulevard Ministry. Bart, tell us about West Boulevard Ministry. Uh, Thank you, Bart, for this opportunity to speak about West Boulevard Ministry, and, and more importantly, about Jesus Christ. West Boulevard Ministry serves the spiritual and physical needs of the families and the communities within the West Boulevard quarter to the glory of Jesus Christ. Whether we're doing neighborhood outreach cookouts, gatherings where we're bringing people outside of their apartments, their homes, into fellowship with one another, or we're doing Bible study bingo the first Wednesday of every month at Little Rock Apartments. And uh, we gather anywhere from 50 to 70 children that we share the gospel with and we play bingo after our Bible study portion of the night. And a couple weeks ago, there's a young man who we've been walking with now close to three years who came in, he, he forgot something, like a lot of young, young kids do, he forgot something in the um, space, and he came back in and he ended up praying out myself and all the other volunteers for the West Boulevard ministry team that were gathered there for that night and led us all in prayer and closed it out. And this young man, we've been taking to church every every Sunday for about the past year and a half. And, and that's what it's all about. It's about providing an opportunity for Jesus Christ to work inside someone's heart and, and then encourage them along the way. That sounds great. Now, Bart, if any of our listeners want to get in contact with you, how would they do that? 
The best way to do is uh, either email myself at bart at westboulevardministry.org or they can call me straight up in my cell phone and I'll always answer. I'm sort of like a doctor. The phone's always on and that's 980-298-9027. I would encourage folks too to also go to our website, which is westboulevardministry.org and there you can see some of our photo galleries. You can see some of the blogs and a lot of things we do throughout the West Boulevard Corridor to the glory of Jesus Christ. It is great having you with us today. Thank you very much. Thank you, Mark. I'm Jen Houston, and with me today is our pastor, David Chadwick. David, thanks for being with us today. Thank you, Jen. Great being with you, too. Well, in this morning's e-devotion, you wrote a Davidism about enthusiasm, and that's something that all of us could use a little bit more of. (laughs) Well, it's kind of having the feeling of being a life's cheerleader, if you will, looking at the positive, seeing the good, enthusiasm. But people ask the question sometimes, well, where does that word come from? Glad you asked. Here's (laughs) the answer from the two Greek words, en-theos, E-N-theos, in God. Isn't that interesting? Mm, Wow. That enthusiasm should come as we are in God. I think naturally it comes as a life is rooted in the Lord and the Lord's life is rooted in us. Wow. It reminds me of Jesus's expression. Didn't he get up and twirl and he was enthusiastic about about how God reveals mysteries to children? Is that the right context for when he was most enthusiastic? Yeah. And interestingly, in Romans, the fifth chapter, it says rejoice in your trials. That word rejoice means stand up, jump around, twirl around. It is really weird that in our trials, we're supposed to have that kind of enthusiasm. But again, you're saying you trust God, your life is in God. And even in trials, God is working and using it somehow for our good and his glory. Mm. Uh, That's the whole nature of the word enthusiasm, the in theos idea. But Jen, here's the key. There is in the Bible this idea of union, life, and Christ. Mm -hmm. It is so important for believers in Jesus to understand. When you receive Jesus, he enters your heart. His very presence now indwells you. Mm -hmm. But here's what's also important. You need to know your life indwells him. If everyone out there listening right now could just put their fingers together and interconnect them, that's the kind of life we have in Jesus. Mm -hmm. His life in us, our life is in him. So if his life is flowing through us, if we are abiding in Christ and we're abiding in him, that means that who he is must flow through us. So one of his aspects then is enthusiasm because Mm -hmm. that's from where the word comes, in God. Our lives are in God. God's life is in us. So enthusiasm, joy for life, a positive outlook, Mm -hmm. all of those things should be natural for the person who sees their lives being interconnected with the very person who created the universe. Mm, I love that. The scripture that comes to mind is the joy of the Lord is our strength. Mm-hmm. That's the same idea again. So you have in Romans eight eleven, for example, Paul says the power that raised Jesus from the dead now lives in us. Wow. Now think about that. The power that took that dead body on that stone cold slab in that dark, dank tomb is the same power that raised Jesus from the dead now lives in those of us who believe. That power that raised Jesus from the dead now lives in us. Or think about what was Paul trying to say when in Philippians 4.13, chained in a prison cell, he says, but I have learned contentment and I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Mm -hmm. The power of the Holy Spirit flows through Paul, flows through us, and we have his very life in and through us. 
how can we not be enthusiastic yeah. with a life like that that's indwelling and flowing through us? Wow. Well, that'll preach. That, that is such <laughs> great in, encouragement for us today. Thank you so much, David. And well, thank you, Jen. And listeners, be enthusiastic. God loves you so much. And if you would like to receive my written daily Moments of Hope, please go to momentsofhopechurch.org. You can subscribe there. They'll arrive in your inbox every morning at 7 a.m. From my heart to yours to begin your day with a moment of hope. This has been Moments of Hope with David Chadwick, Senior Pastor of Moments of Hope Church. Today's message is from our online worship service, and you can be a part of our service each Sunday morning at both 9 and 11 o'clock by going to momentsofhopechurch.org. While you're online, be sure to sign up for David's daily Moments of Hope, delivered every morning to your inbox. Also, check out David's weekly Hopecast, They're both free and available through our website. Again, that web address is momentsofhopechurch.org. For David and the entire Moments of Hope Church staff, this is Jen Houston asking you to pray for wisdom for our leaders.